This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Hey, c'est condition ça qui t'est passé. Just One Night Stand. Avant toute bagaille t'est commencé. One Night Stand. Pensez que c'est ton This is One Night Stand. Presented by First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. What up, Night Nation? It's family weekend. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Navy game. Try and get you guys through that. Have some reasons for positivity. We also have an interview with Trey Neal. Four years at UCF as a safety, then transferred to Nebraska. Two-time conference champ, one-time national champ. Really awesome talk with him about literally everything. We talked about Navy, the triple option, 2017, 2015, coaching changes, play calling, you name it, we talked about it. And as always, Money Moves picks, Moves mailbag. Speaking of, I'm here with Money Moo, UCF, got off to a fresh start with Brandon Johnson catching a 15-yard pass from Mikey Keene for the first watch, first score of the game. Congratulations to Brandon at Harkins 14B for guessing Brandon Johnson was 17 yards and winning a $25 gift card to First Watch. The Knights had no answer defensively for Navy's triple option, and a few key mistakes led to the final score of Navy 34, UCF 30. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I think, um, you know, we lost that game. Like, we lost it. We were up. We couldn't close. Couldn't stop them on defense. Navy has scored 30 points in their first three games. They scored 34 in the one against us. I don't really know what to pin it on. Uh, They were hard to stop, and Navy's always kind of been that way, in my opinion. Clearly, they're not that good based off the other games, but... You know, it's always tough to stop them. I, I, I don't know. I don't have many answers. Uh, I do know everyone's completely lost their mind on the internet. Somehow I've emerged as like the beacon of truth and hope saying that, you know, we can still win the conference and we can still beat Cincy. And I'm cool with that. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, our, our quarterbacks hurt. Our best receivers hurt. Our best running backs hurt. We got guys missing at every position. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm still in, I don't know what phase of the uh, stages of grief, but I don't know. It is what it is. It sucks, yes. It's not the end of the world. What do you think? Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of it. I don't really have anything else to say. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Next question. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, you, you take a look at the, at the body of work for the, for the entire game. You look, you know, just, Total yards, I can't remember the last time we were held to like under 400, maybe the Boca Bowl last year. and uh, Again, decimated by injuries. Right. So, <laughs> you know, coming off a loss from Louisville, last time we lost uh, two games in a row, I look back, was actually last year. We lost in Tulsa and then away at Memphis. These were both away game losses. This year, and another loss also as a double-digit favorite, I looked this up, was the fourth time in the last three years that we've lost straight up as a double-digit favorite. Not good at all. Terrible. You try and look for some other stuff in the box score. You know, some positives were Mikey Keene 
I thought at the beginning of the game looked very comfortable. He was making, you know, some good throws. Gus, I feel as though couldn't really open like the higher playbook for him. Um, We're a little conservative. I think he started to open up a little bit, kind of, you know, toward the second half. It just seemed as though people like weren't, it's hard to say. People weren't like making plays. I don't know. You talked about injuries, you know, for the offense. Obviously, Dylan Gabriel, Bowser, Jay Flash. Jay Flash. That's an insane amount of talent right there. Yeah, we're on like our but fifth string we also running back. Still, we also still have a ton of talent on the team, you know. Also O'Keefe, true. Amar- Amari Johnson stepped up. Brandon oh. Johnson stepped up. It just seemed like we couldn't get the running game going. And we are missing that explosiveness from Bowser, even though, you know, Johnny and Coles are, are both really good running backs. And, and I think them working in a tandem can work, but it just wasn't working for us today. Yeah, it didn't seem like Trillian could get going this game. And I don't know if that's, you know, him or just a lot of the time he just really had no room to run. Um, you know, leading rusher on yards per attempt, Dan Obarski. So... You know, shout out to him. Uh, yeah, I don't. Do we have understand. a? Is there a running back controversy? <laughs> I don't understand what they were trying to do. Well, I, uh, I I can explain it to you perfectly. Uh, we were on the fringe of field goal range for Obarski. Would have been a forty-one yarder, and then we. That is ran- not out of his range. Well, I don't know. <laughs> All right, but there but was seven set. The thing is, there were seven seconds left and no timeouts. If you were out of his range, you could have yes. ran a little curl. You could have ran a little five yard curl to get in his third yard. This yard was clearly range. a play that they knew that they could get or run with like six seconds left, even with Obarski's little like shake and bake, which I can't imagine that's how it, they ran it in practice. I'm, like, I know. I really think Obarski was going to hit the hit the edge and just no smoke towards the end zone. I, I think they were just trying to get closer for the field goal. And they're like, Hey, who better to get closer for the field goal? Wait, than- no, you got to look at the percentages way too risky to take three points off the board before the half. It's not taking points off the board. They knew how long the play takes. It's not like they haven't ran it before. They knew exactly how long it takes. He can get out of bounds. You're just getting 10 yards closer, 13 yards closer, whatever it ended up being. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. The difference in the make, probability of the field goal for those 10 yards and all the bad things that could have happened which almost did happen i just it wasn't worth it i think it was great the one play call that i would say was questionable was you know last drive man i mean look it sucks so we go back we've got fourth down big cat jumps off sides whatever they score a touchdown but we get the ball back and i mean we charged down the field, and I thought we were going to score. You know, we start off on the 30-yard line with about three minutes left. Then we have first and 10 on the 12-yard line, and we put Gatewood in. Now, in Gus's defense, I mean, Gatewood's been unstoppable as a runner pretty much all season. So he calls a pass play. So I don't know if he's, like, overthinking this. Because he's ran the ball so well, but it's like also stick to what you're good at. I don't know. What were your thoughts when you saw Gatewood come in? Because, I mean, everyone, you know, there's been a lot of crazy. <clears throat> it's been a lot of a lot of different takes on this whole game, but I feel like the one consensus that we've 
come up with as a fan base was the Gatewood uh, putting him in was, you know, kind of a momentum killer. Although, it's one of those things, it's like, if it works, then he looks like a genius. But I don't know. What were your thoughts? I don't disagree with bringing Joey Gatewood in. So if you look at the entire drive, okay, we were moving the ball down the field plus yardage every play. I think when we bring Joey Gatewood in, it was first and 10 on the 12. Okay, so there was a minute left. Time was not a huge deal. But um, why don't we just run the ball? This is not a time to try like Joey Gatewood pass his first pass attempt of the, of the game. If you just run the ball, even if you get two or three yards, okay, you're second and seven, availability to pass or even run again. We still had timeouts. We just we didn't need to get cute. Is like what we were doing was right. working, and like I feel like I'm usually not. I don't know. I can be critical, but I feel like I've been leaning at least on Gus. But like, I don't know. You know, but here's the no, thing. This I mean, was, this was bad. Yeah, but you know what? You could have just ran. It was four down territory, and they hadn't stopped didn't even us. Have to- the end zone. Just boom, boom, boom. They were on the 12. Here's the thing. But then even the third the third down play, like, why do you run a jet sweep? Bro, the, that, the only that play thing... was an easy touchdown earlier in the game. Here's the thing. It's like, these plays were good when they work. And then I, when they're not, they're not. Well, obviously. <laughs> but, like, that play worked earlier. Yeah, but earlier, earlier in the game. That was in the first quarter. Someone blew it. Didn't work, some, you get a field goal. We're down blew, four points, Sean. Someone blew it. All right, so, like. So you could look back at this whole drive, though, and I'm just playing devil's advocate. Like, we we kept moving the ball. If any of those plays didn't work, we'd be saying, oh, why'd they call that play? The plays that worked were good, obviously, and the plays that didn't weren't. That's how hindsight works. And I'm not defending him because I don't agree with the play calls, but at the same time, like, if the jet sweep worked, Gus is a genius. If the Gatewood pass worked, it's like, oh, didn't see that one coming. But I agree. I mean, I, I don't know. In, no. you, know, you mentioned <laughs> no. <laughs> just what it wasn't the time to get cute, and we tried to get cute. Yeah, but we you lost know, the game. Here's the thing: the play calling, specifically, didn't like. You could point to a million things. That block punt doesn't happen. This game is a blowout. We might actually cover the spread if that punt's not blocked. The extra point you mentioned that earlier when we were talking before before the show. We don't even need a. I mean, we kick a field goal. We're in over. We're probably still in overtime. Right now, well, maybe not still, but that's another thing too. It was you... more. It was more or less, you know, the Navy scoring seventeen unanswered in the fourth quarter, and we just. That's how many. I mean, that's was. rare. That's rare, dude. Is it rare? Is it? It might be the fourth. For us. The fifth time that's happened in the last two seasons. Not looking at numbers, just based off my memory, we blew two or three double-digit leads. <laughs> I guess it's the fifth time for double digits. I don't know. Look, it happens. Here's the thing. And, you know, we talk about this with Trey later. It's like, you can't just change stuff overnight. Like, Frost came in, and yes, there was a lot of talent, but we were still 6-7. and seven, And a lot of those games were close. And we buttoned it up, and we ran the table the next year. And a lot of those games were close, too, and we just happened to be on the lucky side. Now, we're just getting, like, reverse karma, and we're getting all the bad luck. But, you know, we're 2-2. Two and two. We could be 1-3. and three. We could be 4-0. and oh. That's what football is. Uh, we could very easily be one and three. I just, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're three plays away from being. We're one play away from being one and three. We're three plays away from being four and zero. Oh. Who are we? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, we're a team that's got a lot of injuries with a new coach, and uh, 
you know, a lot of good stuff to look forward to. I, I don't know. I mean, it could be worse, but it could be the Jags. Uh, uh, hey, by the all way, right. all right. So, so some other things from this because I don't want to talk about it forever. Uh, Dylan Gabriel looked very tan. That's good. Uh, Armstrong, I thought Armstrong had a really good game. I think he had like twenty-two tackles. I mean, you get a lot of tackles when you play Navy because they're like yeah, always but in he play. made some, he made some good plays though. He had this. There was this one play where. They actually threw the ball, and the dude saw Armstrong coming and just completely dropped it because he was going to absolutely drill him, which probably would have been targeting because I don't really understand that. Um, could you hear the announcer where you were watching the game? Or you went back pretty early, right? Yeah. So this guy just did not care about pronouncing anyone's names correctly. Um, some of my favorites were Cam Goody, who actually he played really well because it looked like he was – he kept getting injured and going back in the game. He was actually our highest-rated defender. And uh, Eric Jilliard was a good one. Yeah. Guy just, like, didn't even bother to study the uh, enunciation thing or whatever. I thought Mikey Keene played pretty damn well. We didn't talk about that yet. Freshman quarterback. The two things I look for in a quarterback that's new are they holding the ball too long and taking sacks, and they're trying to force throws that are dangerous. And he threw the ball away, and he didn't hold on to it too long. Yeah, I don't really blame him for the pick that he threw his last play, fourth and ten. I mean, he had to throw the ball. That's different. Yeah, yeah, you're just trying to win the game. But other than that, I was pretty impressed for his first start. You know, even a guy like Milton's first start. You know, it's not three fumbles. Yeah, it's uh, but Keen held on to the balls. He was smart. I uh, would have liked to see him running a little bit because he does look pretty fast, you know, when he's scrambling outside of the pocket. Yeah, there was I would like-, like to see a couple of, you know, designed runs or maybe like some play, you know, there's a RPO couple times stuff. he well, there's a couple times he threw the ball away and I was like, he could have ran that for a first down. But it's like, you know what, whatever. I'm not ever going to fault. I'm not ever going to fault a quarterback for being like too safe. That's in his shoes. Now, if it's like Dylan and it's why remember that it was the same thing with Dylan his freshman year, he was like purposely not running it, and that was okay because he was a freshman. But overall, I mean, it sucks. It's over. But like I said, we have a lot to look forward to. I mean, it it's always very very um, the unknown kind of stinks with football, and you never know what's going to happen when your star quarterback leaves. And now at least we've got you know. Something to look forward to. I, this guy's going to be good whenever Dylan goes for the next few years. And, you know, like I said, there's no divisions. We can still win the conference, and we can still beat USF. So, <laughs> Absolutely. I, I feel like as though the top two teams in the conference, even though right now you look at Houston, the only 2-0 and team in the conference, the top two teams are clearly Cincinnati and SMU. Cincinnati – coming in at number five in the AP poll and the SMU sneaking in there at 24. So we have two ranked teams now in the American play both one away, one home. So control our own destiny, the, the old control your own destiny thing. <laughs> no matter what way you look at it, we do still control our own destiny. This so. team, I don't know what this means, but I could see us beating anyone 
That's including Cincy, and I could see us losing anyone, which we already did. And I mean that in the nicest way. Um, but, you know, there's no preseason in college. So, new coach, new system on both sides of the ball. We're still learning stuff. I think, you know, we're just going to start to find our groove here and maybe really button it up uh, in time for the conference grind. We can still win the conference championship, like you said. It's just, I guess, not quite as likely when you lose to Navy, but... Yeah, it's better to lose early. That's another good saying, right? Control your own destiny. Yep. Better, better to lose early. All right. Um, Trey Neal? Sure. All right, let's do our interview. We've got Trey Neal. He was a safety. You guys definitely remember him from the game-sealing interception against Memphis. We go through that play, what was going through his head, what led up to that. He actually talked a lot about... Um, how Memphis, because if you guys remember earlier in the season, we beat Memphis easily. It was like 40-12 to 12 or 40-13. to 13. They looked like a completely different team, and we really had trouble stopping them. And he went in depth about that. We also talked about, I mean, we talked about O'Leary. We talked about 0-12. We talked about Frost, the coaching change, the red tie, the rumors, uh, Nebraska. We went into everything. So I think you guys are really going to like this. And, uh, you know, it's something I've been wanting to do for a while, so... Uh, let's get to that. All right, Night Nation, we've got an awesome guest here today. He played safety at UCF for four years before transferring to Nebraska. Two-time conference champ, one-time national champ, Trey Neal. What's up, man? How's it going? What's up? What's up? How you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, so glad to have you. Been wanting to do this for a while and uh, ready to talk about a lot of things. Uh, let's start off you know, with your career at UCF. You had offers from a handful of D1 schools. What made you pick UCF? Uh, mainly Cincinnati is the one that sticks out to me. Um, initially, they were one of the first schools that kind of uh, – they were one of the first schools to offer me. They were one of the ones that kind of recruited me heavily. Um, I mean, they put it on from the beginning. I remember it was Coach, uh, Coach Callahan who uh, – he went to Florida, and then I don't know where he's, what he's doing right now, but it was Coach Callahan and Coach Beck. Uh, they, they pushed for me big time, so – I mean, just building those relationships with them, you know, as I go through the process, it that that kind of is what pushed it over. And then, I mean, it didn't help. It also helped, you know, that that was the year that they went to the Fiesta Bowl. So I was like, oh, man, these guys, you know, they can play. You know, I can make a difference there. So, you know, uh, and then I had a teammate also, Don Travius, who went there the year before. So I kind of had a good grasp of the coaches and, you know, how he was doing down there, too. So, yeah, I mean, you were part of some awesome teams, the 14 conference champion, the 2017 team, obviously, but also in between, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, the 2015 uh, UCF team. So we're coming off, you know, back-to-back conference championships, obviously the Fiesta Bowl, like you said. We lost a lot of key players, but we still obviously had a lot of talent, which was shown in the years after. You know, when did you know it was going to be bad? Because, like, all right, the first game, we lose to FIU. It's a close game, whatever. Then we lose to a really good Stanford team on the road. But then we lose to Furman. So, like, at what point did you guys, like, look around and you're like, this is not going to be a good year? Uh, I think personally for me was that Furman game. Um, I remember, you know, we lost to FIU. Okay, whatever. It was close. We lost. I think we missed a field goal or whatever. Um, and then we went to Stanford. We played well in the first half. I think it was like 7-0 we were losing. Yeah, so it, it like, was okay, competitive. You know, yeah, so I'm like, okay, you know, we can play. We, we make some mistakes, but. You know, that's going to happen. But I think the Furman game, we kind of went in like, 
all right, let's like let's be real. You know, we're two time conference champ right now. You know, we're zero and two, but this is you know this program should not be able to even be on the field with us. You know, that's just the mentality. You know, we had going into it, and you know, just how everything unfolded. That was when I we were like, you know, oh my goodness. I mean, even just some of the things that we did, it was just. It didn't really make too much sense at the time. It was like, what are we doing? Why are people playing here? Why are these guys doing this? You know, they've never done it. Why are we just doing so much different stuff that it, that's not what we recruited here for? So I think all of that came to light kind of firming, and it was just kind of, you know, once you're a loser, you know, you kind of get into that mindset, and then it just kind of ripples effect through everybody and through the program. So, you know, as a fan base, I think it was the same thing as well. You know, you. Mm-hmm. The first, there was a miss. I think that was, you know, Matty Wright, actually. He was a freshman, yeah. too. Yeah, and obviously, best, one of the best kickers ever. I know. And he came back from that. And, uh, but yeah, I know as a fan base, I mean, that's when he lost me, too. And I'm like, George must be checked out. I mean, I don't know what was going on, but he was doing like the AD and head coach thing. And it was like, yeah. it, it was just not good. But, you know, you hear like the media and fans, too, talk about uh, coach, you know, losing the locker room or whatever. Did, did that happen? Uh, yeah, I think it did. Um, just because that game, and and again, Coach O'Leary, he had a he had a lot going on. I mean, he had to be the AD, which I mean, he's basically overlooking every you know every single program, not just uh you know football, which is already a, a beast in itself. He's got to look at their uh you know softball, basketball, every sport, you know everything, everybody, every athlete. And so I yeah, think that's just a lot. And then you know combining trying to be a competitive program is just. A lot. So I don't know if he was checked out then. Um, I know that's a lot. You know, I can't really speak for him, but I know that, you know, the locker room, we kind of lost it. I know that Furman game. We were like, how are we losing to Furman? Like, that's unacceptable. As a fan base, that's when we lost faith in the coach, too. And nothing yeah. against George. I mean, look, I there's all kinds of stories and stuff, but I'm, I'm appreciative, at least as a fan, of what he did for us. And, I mean, he cranked out a lot of NFL talent. and you know, Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's one of the things, too, um, you know, why I think why we were able to turn it around so quickly. Obviously, mm-hmm. Scott Frost did a great job. Um, what was your first impression of him, and, and kind of how was he able to turn it around so quick? Um, I think it's just really just uh, environmental change. You know, sometimes change is good. Um, sometimes, you know, things become outdated things are just you need that uh, a burst or a, a jolt of energy into a program mm-hmm. i think that goes for anywhere and you know sometimes it's not good you know it's not always the best thing to have that but um yeah at the time you know coach frost he was the he was the hot commodity you know at that time i think oregon you know they were fresh off of a couple of you know playoff appearances and the national championship appearances mostly yep. because you know how explosive their offense was and that was what we sorely lacked you know at oh yeah you know <laughs> Just, just the excitement. So, you know, I think, you know, just the combination of um, Danny White coming in, who was a young, innovative kind of guy, um, then going to get Coach Frost, who was, a, you know, another young, innovative kind of guy. You know, I think that was the perfect storm of everything with, you know, we have a young team who, I mean, as you see now, we were uber talented. I mean, there was talent everywhere. It's just sometimes it just doesn't click with things. And, I mean, that goes all the way up to the NFL. I mean, there's guys – I mean, look at Sam Darnold now. It just yeah. didn't work out in New York. But now he's he's looking like a good quarterback in uh, Carolina. So, I just think that's just kind of thing it was. Um, so, you know, Coach Frost bringing in those guys, you know, his staff, and, you know, keeping some core guys that we had. And, again, I think that was just the perfect culmination. And then, you know, 
he uh he instilled a, a confidence in everybody on the team. You know, even if our roles weren't huge, you know, it was like a we believe in you to do your role to the best of the ability. Like that's why we have you out there. It's not do your role to the best of your ability or you're not gonna be out there, you know, which again it, it works for some people, but I know the confidence thing definitely helps, you know, as this, you know, generation's getting uh as we keep getting, you know, further and further along. Confidence is big, you know, a lot with the players now. I agree. It definitely helped with that. I yeah. think was he a players coach? Oh yeah. Anybody that would I mean Coach Frost, he would joke with us, you know. Any I mean he again, I remember we did the uh we were getting ready for Georgia Tech in the summer. Um I or in the during camp we had he had put on pads and everything. I remember it was him running the triple option stuff because you know that's what he did at Nebraska. They ran a little veer, so he knows all those reads and all that. So he did that and then him and Kevin Smith, you know, they'd line up and you know, give us a look, you know, and it was fun. I mean, not a lot of, not a lot of coaches are going to do that, you know, because they have other stuff to do. But, you know, he took that time out and just, you know, build those relationships with the players. Not, I don't think a lot can. I mean, I don't – I know Hypo played quarterback too. I don't know if he can run the triple option. That would yeah, be- exactly, yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough – that's a tough – that's a tough offense to run. Yeah. Um, all right, so since you – I was going to save that for later, but since you brought it up, um, obviously – the Navy game did not go how we wanted. 0-3 yeah. team, I mean, we kind of went in and laid an egg. But I hear I, there's a ton of talk on Twitter. People are saying, you know, we know what they're going to do. How are we not prepared for it? Can you explain, one, like how tough it is to stop the triple option, and, and two, kind of how you prepare for it? And I guess, what did you see during that game? Why couldn't we stop them? Um. So really, I mean, how we see offense now is just, you know, spread fast everything is just you know get your best athletes in space you know yep and really the triple option is just a version of that just super quick reads and super condensed i mean the basic right now is just this a lot of teams run like rpos which is the run pass option you know mm-hmm. you read somebody and if this is if it's blank you know you just throw it out there let your athletes get in space essentially it's the same thing and that's what triple option is it's just it happens like quick 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 reads so you don't really have that time to kind of diagnose. You kind of have to know your keys. And if you're not keying the right thing, it can go wrong fast. Whereas, you know, the way it's spread out now, you can miss your key. But, you know, UCF, we're going to have athletes everywhere. So you can make a mistake and we can be better athletes than most people and make a play still. So, I mean, just with the triple option, it's like it's just heavy discipline. And again, most of the teams that you see run it are, you know, the military schools and the prestigious schools, which, you know, their whole day is – Discipline. <laughs> Being disciplined, yeah. You know, you got to wake up at a certain time, do this, do that. I mean, brush your teeth a certain way. You know, it's just that kind of – those kind of little things are, you know, is what makes their triple option so so well run and so lethal. Because, I mean, honestly, they, they don't have the best athletes in the country. Um, You know, especially compared to, you know, UCF, where we're, we're getting the best kids in the entire country athletic-wise. So, you know, discipline is how they win. And, again, we were winning the game. Um, and just, again, you can't, we, yeah, you, when you turn the ball over, those are the kind of things that, you know, going against a triple option team hurts you. Um, and I mean, it even happened when we played them. Uh, they don't, if they don't turn the ball over, it's hard to beat them. Um, I mean, we, I remember when we played them in 2017 at Navy, um, we were losing the game until Bam made a yep. forced a fumble, which, you know, it's, it's those kind of plays that you need. And, you know, I just think, unluckily for you know UCF we're just not making the plays and again everybody has you know they question coaches after the fact of you know <laughs> what happened but um 
you know, there's always things you can work on. Um, and I think mostly they should just, you know, get back to getting good at the basic things, you know, just blocking. I know defensively is what I watch a lot. Uh, they're not the greatest tacklers. Again, crazy coming from me. I wasn't the greatest tackler either. <laughs> but, I mean, just, uh, you know, just getting, you know, being sound in those fundamentals defensively, I think will help them go a long way. So going back to coaching change, Last season was probably one of the most undisciplined teams we've ever seen. I think even the players yeah. would admit that. We change coaches. How quickly can a coach change, like, fix things like discipline and mistakes and, and change the culture and stuff? Because at least me personally, I feel like we're seeing stuff from last year roll into this. When yep. Gus came in, you know, I think everyone just expected everything to be fixed right away, especially because of, you know, the transition from Frost to Hypo, which I think is a reflection of Frost. What are your thoughts on kind of how we look now? And, and, and I guess, are you, are you worried about it going forward? Or do you think it's like a growing pains type thing? Uh, I mean, I think it's more so just growing pains. Um, I, honestly, I think that just us as a fan base, the expectation has been set so high just from the, those two teams. Uh, it's your the, fault, dude. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost, you know, it's almost unrealistic to really get that exact production, get those exact players. Like it's, it's impossible. I mean, those, that was a perfect storm of events. Um, but people, a lot of people forget that year before that, it reminds me so much of this season right here because we're transitioning from, I mean, last year we were all right. We, there were games we should have won. There were games that we lost that we just weren't good enough. Um, but we transitioned into a new coaching staff where they're trying to develop trust. And we made plenty of mistakes. I mean, Realistically, Frost's first year, we probably should have won nine or ten games. The only games we really lost were Michigan, where we got killed. Yeah. But, I mean, we still made a lot of mistakes. And then um, Tulsa, I believe, is where we got kind of beat really bad. But all the other games, we were in them. And then we just – there were small things that caused us to lose. And I, I see that a lot with this team here is just they're in games and, you know, just the small things are kind of what's killing them. We're like two plays away from still being undefeated, but we're also one. Exactly. We're one play away from being, you know, our only win being, uh, you know, the FCS team or whatever. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, some pick sixes, some turnovers. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you there. Uh, so that six and seven frost year, you're saying, kind of would be the parallel to this year, and I think that's a good comparison. And yep. you know, we've got a really talented team, and if we can button it up, you know, we can finish. Uh, finish the season strong. Let's go back yeah. to uh, to 2017. You mentioned the Navy game. What game that season did you feel like we had? We were closest to losing. If it wasn't, if you didn't have to pick that one. Oh, definitely, probably the second Memphis game. Um, I'm I'm really speaking more so from the defensive side. I think that game gave us the most fits as because they they really changed up everything that they ran all season that game. I mean, I tell people that like. The stuff they ran that game, they had not put on film that year. They hadn't put it on film the year before that. Like, it was completely new stuff. He pulled out everything. I remember. It was yeah, not I mean, the same was... team we played in, like, week four or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and so just going a little bit into it, they were real heavy on, like, again, RPOs. But they targeted Anthony Miller, like, I mean, a maniac. That was – he. Was, I think at the time he was leading the country in receptions and yards and touchdowns when we played him the first time. But, I mean, that second time we played him – they came out in a completely different offense, which we adjusted to was just it took us uh, – they kept pulling out different stuff. So, like, once we adjusted to that, they'd pull out something else they had to ran, which, again, I think that's what made it super fun. But just having to come to the sideline every possession and 
okay, what are they doing? Holy smokes, we got to do this. I mean, we were going back to doing things that week seven versus they were pulling stuff from SMU's game. They were pulling stuff from when we played USF. They were pulling stuff from uh, when we played different teams throughout the year that we struggled with maybe one play, but they would run it that same play three different ways out of three different formations we hadn't seen them put on. So just making those adjustments and going back, I think it was fun, but that was probably the most one I was worried about. Uh, another one would be USF, but again, I thought we were better than them. We just didn't execute well at all. I mean, defensively at least. I mean, our tackling was poor. Our containing, you know, Quentin, I forget his last name. Flowers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> containing him just, I think, you know, if we can go back and do that again, we would beat them by 14, 21 points if we do everything sound. Mobile quarterbacks have never – I mean, they've, they've never been easy for any defense in general because it adds it adds another dimension that a lot of the time, you know, like Riley Ferguson, we weren't really worried about him running the ball. Nope, uh, not at all. So that made it tough. But that Memphis game was uh, double overtime, man. That, that was not – Double overtime. The USF game, we were always kind of winning, so I was never really worried even though it kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the back-to-back scoring. But the Memphis game was a nail-biter. Um, yeah. That last drive – so. Before your interception, obviously, which was amazing. That's one of the, the moments that we'll never forget. But I think it was like two plays before that, Ferguson overthrew a guy who I think was open for a touchdown. That next play, when you had the interception, take me through that. What's going through your head? and How did you know to get on the ground so quickly? <laughs> <laughs> so I know before we went into overtime, I was telling everybody like on the defense, I'm like, listen, if we get a – I said, if we go on defense first, we're going to get the ball, and if we get an interception or any kind of turnover, we need to score because that'll be in the game. Um, but then I told him, you know, if we happen to go into double overtime, it's, it's going to flip. If we get a, you know, if our offense scores and then we get a turnover fall because if, say, we try to return it, say I tried to return that and then I fumble, they pick the ball up, they get the ball back if they get yeah. the ball, and they're just going to start back over. Um, so I think just we kind of talked about it beforehand. Um Again, I'm not sitting here thinking that I know what's going to happen. I just kind of talk it out just because if everybody hears it, it's always going to be in the back of their mind. And I think that was the same thing with me. I mean, once I caught the pick, I ran a couple of steps. I'm like, holy smokes, I'm going to <laughs> Then I'm like, you know what, never mind. I, I got to fall. But um, going through the play, uh, we had gotten beat on something similar where the tight end delayed a lot. So they would block and then right. delay. Hold, it for, so, hold the block for like two seconds and then release. Yep, and then release. So, I mean – we had got to the point we're just calling zero blitz because we're like Riley Ferguson doesn't do pressure well. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna we're just gonna smoke him. I mean that's our best bet. You know we got Mike out on Anthony Miller. We have Navelle on the other receiver. We're just got the man up and and play make a play. Somebody's mm-hmm. gonna make a play. So um, it was second down I think too. So we're just like smoking the rest of the drive. We have to. Um, so I mean that's that's literally it. He ran. I thought he was gonna run a delay. So I was. In my mind, I'm just like, I'm not letting go of this guy. I don't care if they run right behind me and I don't see it. I'm not getting beat on a delay fade. Right. So I literally grabbed him. And I'm pretty sure he thought it was run because, I mean, he pushed me back probably three or four yards. But I'm like, I'm not giving up any ground. He's not going to let go and go run around. I'm going to be right here on him. So then, I mean, I'll peek in the backfield because I'm like, okay, he's not running around, obviously. And the ball's coming right at me. So I just jump and caught it. And then, again, I took a couple of steps and it fell <laughs> once I – once I realized that, you know, the game was over and that was that. It's, but I mean, again, Shaquem made that play. That was, they, they, they were trying to block him. If you go back and watch, they, they tried to bring a swear. So the other tight end tried to sway across and block the edge guy. But again, Shaquem is running a four, three off the edge and his, he plays with his hair on fire. So he didn't even get a chance to block him. He was in Ferguson's face in three seconds, two seconds. 
Yeah, I'm trying to pull up the video now. I've seen it a million times, but it was still there was so much going on, and you know, the, it all happened so fast, and it was there was so yeah. much traffic right there. But no, I definitely remember Shaquem. I mean, they just couldn't block him off the edge, and uh, exactly. But you know, see, so you look at that game, the USF game, and the Peach Bowl was back and forth. Uh, oh, they yeah. kind of made it close at the end, but it, it kind of felt like we were better than them. But oh, we were. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we were. I think. We were way better than them, and we had prepared way better. Than, I mean, we knew all their plays they were running. But so talking about that, though, I think it makes you just appreciate more how special that was to go thirteen and zero. Because you talk about that, the Navy game. I mean, there were so many times when these uh, they're like fifty-fifty games, and we ended up on top on all of them. So now, you know, this year we've had a, a few close ones that we've lost. I think it's you know kind of just averaging out for for all the all the lucky ones. Um, yeah. I mean, I even said that about our 0-12 season. I'm like, we must have ran out, reused up all of our luck on that, you know, Brashad Perriman, Hail Mary. <laughs> or from, I said that about. from the 2013, you know, we, there was the J.J. Yeah, Warren catch. The, yeah. I mean, the U.S. every game, that was when the Cardiac Knights nickname came out. So, yep, exactly. You know, it ebbs and flows, I guess. But uh, that, that was definitely a special season. Um, all right, so one more thing from that season. When did you know? Or when did you find out that Frost was leaving for Nebraska? Because it leaked to, like, the message boards and stuff before the game. Obviously, you guys are way more focused on the game, but did anyone know, or did you guys all kind of have a feeling it was going to happen and you just, you know, wanted to focus on football? Yeah, um, I think we started hearing rumors. um, Whenever we first got ranked, I think that after that game, so we were probably 5-0 or 6-0, I think we had started hearing rumors of, like, Coach Frost is up for this job, and because the teams were losing, obviously, and they're going to be planning. You know, people yeah. talk, so we're like, you know, Coach Frost is a hot commodity. He has his UCF with the number one scoring offense, you know, in the country at the time. So again, offense is all, that's what everybody wants now. So you know, having the number one scoring op- offense, it always helps. So we started hearing things. I think like around then, um, again at the time, we're like, we it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always any 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 team that's doing good. If it's UCF, there's going to be coaching rumors just because exactly, we can't yeah. we can't compete with the big schools pay wise. Exactly. So, yeah, and I, again, I think um, you know, I mean, I think that was the same thing with uh, Coach Hype. I think you know, once he was twelve and zero coming off LSU, people were like, we need to lock him in because <laughs> you know, like he's going to get poached. So you got to make the buyout bigger. Yeah, yeah. So that school, but again, I mean, schools are going to poach if they want those bigger schools just because they, they have the money. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, once they kind of realize, like, okay, you know. And I think that's where we kind of messed up, missed it with Frost. Um, I don't think the buyout was super huge. And again, he, I think he had success super quickly. I don't think he even planned on I don't turning think, it around that fast either. I don't so, think anyone saw that coming. We figured it would yeah. be th- we'd have him for three years. But so yeah. it leaked out though that like he officially took the Nebraska job before the game. So did you yeah. not have any idea? I mean, shoot, nobody on the team that I mean that I recall, we did not know like. Anything. I mean, even people like, you know, they get on the message boards and say, like, he, when he wore the, the red to, you know, the night walk. Oh, the red tie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we didn't even think anything of that. Yeah. Because we didn't know. Honestly, we thought he was going to go to another. We thought he was going to go to the Florida job. Like, I think Florida was open at the time. It so was. Like, it was. Yeah, so we're like, if seems like a, Florida. Seem, I think he would have crushed it at Florida, too. Yeah, I do, too. Because, again. You can you can get all the the best players. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's nothing nothing against Frost, but like, yeah, especially with this day and age and social media and everything, it's just tough to recruit to a place like that. Where I mean, exactly. So let's talk about that. Actually, so you transferred to Nebraska. What's it like Mm -hmm. 
going from a you know a young up and coming program to a, one with a ton of you know tradition like Nebraska that's won for a long time. I think as far as I mean, when you talk about just you know the tradition and the pageantry of you know going to a school with that much history, I think that was really the only difference as far as just you know off the field stuff. I mean, we went through the locker room and you know the hallways, and you see this Heisman winners trophy, and they have and a cool thing they do is they take portraits of uh, their team captains, and they always put them up a picture. That's cool. So I mean, you're going through the history of every team captain. And again, I didn't know too much about it. Um, you know, when I got there, but kids that, you know, are live, die and bleed Nebraska, they know all those guys. I mean, that's all there is up there. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's it's really cool just to see like, you know, that kind of tradition history. And, you know, it's one of those things where like, you know, I'm, I'm from UCF, which is a smaller school. Like, I think we should do that kind of stuff because again, people, a lot of people don't know, like, you know, everybody knows like the Blake Bortles, of course. And, you know, those guys, but like, even the smaller guys like the Rennell Halls, a lot of people don't remember Speedy. Um, like nowadays, uh, I do because I played with him, obviously. But I mean, right. he made a lot of plays. You know, JJ Wharton, he made a lot of plays, but he's kind of fading a little bit. Just you know, just as time goes, and, and that happens. So I think that you know, I always was like, you know, this is really cool to just have these guys, you know, pictures and just this, this tradition of the teams and all of that, and every All American that they have. You know, they have like just just things to let you remember who the, of the guys that came before you. Um, I agree, especially because, you know, a lot of our best play, like JJ is a great example. I mean, he did so much. For, I mean, he played a whole game without an, with a torn ACL, which people exactly. forget, it's which crazy. is insane. Yeah, I think that was the senior, his senior day. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, he didn't, it didn't pan out for him in the NFL, but has, it has nothing but to I do mean, with him at college, UCF. His, his college player, he is a UCF. He's a great, like, yep. when I tell people that I'm like, you, a lot of people forget like how great those teams were, I mean, even guys like, you know, Josh Reese, like he's a, to me at least, like he made a lot of plays, key plays for just the program, like the, tra- the trajectory it is. I mean, obviously there's plays like, you know, Brashad Perriman's Hail Mary, my interception, you know, Mike Hughes's kick six, all that stuff. But we don't get that spotlight without, you know, Josh Reese's block, you know, when they're, I think it's either Penn State or Baylor, one of those, like all those games, he made a lot of crucial plays. And, you know, I just think, there should be some kind of whether it's you know they because they were captains on the team they just we don't have the record of it but just some kind of something to you know appreciate those kind of guys. I agree, and I think uh, you know that some of the new staff at UCF. I, I know Carlos has been doing a really good job of getting mm-hmm. the former athletes involved, where it kind of yeah. felt like maybe they weren't. I don't want to say weren't welcome, but maybe not like yeah. warmly invited. So I think we're yeah. going to do a better job with that and. <laughs> Also, you know, I know we've got, you know, some huge facilities upgrades planned. So I, I think oh, yeah. we'll have room for that kind of stuff. And but I yeah. think that I think that's a really cool idea. Um Yeah. So going back to Nebraska, what what made you decide to transfer? So initially when I first committed, UCF did not have I mean, again, I told you earlier, I'm trying to get into, you know, medfield, I'm doing anesthesia. Right. Um they didn't have a med school. Um so that was the first thing and then specifically at the time I wanted to do dental obviously you know things change as you get older I didn't I don't really it wasn't really fun when I shadowed dentists and stuff but we're so uh, just to let everyone know we were talking about this right before it's like 
you think you want to do something and then you actually get into it and you're like, I don't want to do this. It's so silly yeah. that we have to pick a major when we're like still a child. And then exactly you can't decide what you're going to do with for the rest of your life when you're that age. We don't even know exactly. like how to do laundry. But anyway, yeah, go, exactly. I'm, keep I didn't going. know what I was going to eat you know, later <laughs> in the day. So. Um, but yeah, so I remember Coach, I kind of had an idea I wanted to get in the midfield just because my mom worked in the midfield. And I mean, she would tell me stories about just crazy stuff. And I used to be like, that's freaking awesome. But, um, so yeah, I remember that was like one of the main things when I talked to Coach O'Leary. I was like, listen, um, you guys don't have a med school. Like, what is the plan to, cause at the time, I'm not thinking I want to go to the NFL. I'm thinking, let me set myself up for the future. Um, so I asked Coach O'Leary, you know, what are the plans with that? And he's like, oh, we should have a school built, you know, in the next three to four years. So by the time you graduate, you can go straight into school. So I was like, okay. I mean, he showed me plans. I went and talked to some of the professors at profession at the health uh, center, bio majors, all that. I talked to them. They're like, yeah, that's the plan. And then, I mean, it didn't come through. So, I mean, initially I had all, and again, I've seen guys that uh, torn ACL and it's hurt. You know, it's one of those things where boom, you tear your ACL. You're done. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. yeah. So, and I want to have something great to fall back on. So for sure. And take the free, so I, I kinda, take the free yeah. school also. And then obviously exactly. the coaching, the coaching change made it easy because exactly. it's not like you're, and, and, you're, you're walking in blindfolded. I mean, yeah, you know what you're exactly. getting into. So, yep. So, and, and that helped as well. You know, I remember talking to guys and I'm like, listen, I cannot try to learn. You know, I think I'm one of, you know, I can pick up on defenses though. I'm like, I'm not really trying to learn another defense <laughs> because I think that's one of the hardest adjustments. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Um, learning a new defense, just new terminology. Offense kind of blends together once you kind of pick it up because the schemes kind of stay the same. Uh, just you kind of might call it something different, which is the same thing with defense, but there's so much more technical stuff and just what really when you're looking at defense, you want to know what can beat you. So if we're running cover two, we know things on the outside and down the middle is going to beat us. That's just a simple example. Mm -hmm. um, we I didn't really kind of know what would beat us, so I kind of would play, you know, we might play slower. Um, and that that's just the adjustment that you go through with defense, which is what I think we're seeing now. You know, I don't think guys fully understand the the defense exactly, know their weaknesses so that they can protect their weaknesses. You know, I think they just kind of are playing off of talent. But, again, against disciplined teams or against teams that are just as talented as you, as you, you got to execute. So I didn't want to go through that grow, growing phase in a critical point. You know, as a senior, you know, with NFL aspiring dreams, I want to put the best tape I can by playing fast because I know what I'm doing. So, you know, and I think that on top of that, you know, being if I were to get hurt, you know, I'm already in a place where I can just ease my way into the medical school. Right. And then also there's no uncertainty with the new coaching staff, which. Oh, yeah. I talked about it before. There was almost a seamless transition from the outside because we kept winning all the games. But I think as time moved on, we kind of saw the differences in the coaching styles and, you know, I, I, yep. I wasn't in the locker room, but I don't think anyone would call hype a player's coach. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, he's I, he's I mean, good at offense. And, it's just different exactly. styles. So, and there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think no. where we, we kind of mess up, you know, as fans and Twitter, you know, <laughs> crazy people is, you know, this, we're, we're not oblivious to things. Um, you know, he's not, you know, this the greatest, you know, not even to be personal, but he's not like, the good-looking Coach Frost. I mean, Coach yeah. Frost could run around campus and, you know, girls are going to Oh, out. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> exactly. That's just what it is. Like, it's who he is. You know, so that helps. And, I mean, that helps even with players. But, um, again, I mean, you got to – people have to understand, like, that team that was 13-0, and 0, 
we pretty much brought back everybody. Now, granted, we lost, you know, Mike Hughes, Shaquem. But at the end of the day, we had Mackenzie Millen, you know, and I always tell people we're not losing any games with that kid, especially after we had got, I think, four or five wins. I was like, we're not going to lose any more games with this kid. I remember when he first came to campus, Coach Rude, who uh, he's a linebacker's coach in Nebraska. He was here. He was like, this kid is going to single-handedly sell out this entire stadium, which, I mean, it ended up happening. Yes, yeah, it I did. Mean, he was box office kind of a quarterback. And, I mean, he can – the thing that was brilliant about him is he might not have been the greatest passer. He might not have been the fastest runner. But he can make a play happen if a play broke down. And I don't think you can teach that. And every quarterback doesn't have it. I think – you know, I think that's the, really the difference between him and Gabriel. Gabriel is a great – I think he's a great passer. He has great arm strength. He has great accuracy. I just don't think he is a elite off-script playmaker where if a blitz doesn't come correctly – he can't make a guy miss and make a play. Um, I think that he's not elite in that area, which, you know, Mackenzie Milton makes – he makes up for a lot of mistakes the coaches call offense. So, kid was, I think, you know – Kid was just special, man. He, yeah, he was just I special. Mean, again, he's a once-in-a-lifetime once kind of guy. Um, so, I think, you know, once he went down, I think, you know – and there's no knock to the, you know, DJ Mack or any of them, but, you know, they're not Mackenzie, sadly. Um, we can have great players around them you know, surrounding him, but McKenzie's what made the engine go offensively. Um, and I think, you know, as we're going through the years, that's just what it is. And again, I think I, ne- I, I don't try to knock people, but I, I never liked the way that they recruited um, post frost. I think, Oh, we, you know, we did not do well at all. I mean, you yeah, know, there's, there's nothing against the guys. No, I think, you know, being at UCF, we're in the middle of, or- we're in the middle of Florida. I, I honestly think 90% of the players should be from Florida. I don't care where they're at. I think, nine, you know, 85% of the signing class, if there's 25 kids we sign, I think 20 of them should be from Florida. There's 18 no, to 20. There's no reason they shouldn't be. And I, I don't know yeah. if Kype was like and his crew were trying to do too much, but they were like everywhere. We got yeah. we got some good kids, but it's like we've got we've got all the talent we need in Florida. Exactly. So, and like, don't again, try to I do think too much. It, you know, yeah, if you go get, you know, a big-time guy out in California or Arizona or Texas, you know, by all means, go get the best players. But, I mean, me being from Georgia, even I know, like, the the kids in Florida are elite. And, I mean, the way our offense is run is off speed. So, you want to get the fastest kids, well, the fastest kids are in Florida. Yep. They're in Texas. That's It's like those two schools. Other than that, I mean, you can recruit. And it, it's not like, I mean, everywhere is three hours away. So, you can go to Miami. You can go up to Tallahassee. You can go to Jacksonville. You can go get everybody from the whole state. You can get the fastest kids from the state. So I, I, I don't agree with, you know, just that recruiting piece. I think that's kind of where we kind of lost a little bit of the, you know, juice just getting players. And, again, you, it's hard to find, you know, Adrian Killens because he's not going to get recruited by everybody. He's 5'7", you know, soaking wet 150 pounds, but he runs like lightning, you know. Yeah, but everybody doesn't, you know, everybody doesn't do that. And, you know, everybody doesn't utilize guys like that correctly. I think Frost perfectly utilized Adrian. I think Frost perfectly utilized, you know, Otis Anderson, Marlon. I think, you know, so I think once you get different coaching changes, they might not bend their offense or their defense to the players they have. They're just going to fit, find guys that fit the mold. And I think that's where you kind of run into some issues. I think Frost was a genius of as far as when he was at UCF, just getting guys that fit what he wanted, and if they didn't fit, finding a role for them to fit to be successful. Right. I've, I've said this before. It's, you know, the great coaches don't try and fit the players into their system. They fit their system around the players. And exactly. 
you know, you don't force anyone to do anything they're they're not good at. Now, like, so Randy Shannon comes in, and, you know, we switch from uh, a 3-4 to a 4-3, which is fine. I mean, that's, you know, what he yeah. does. But you saw some people kind of struggle with the change, and others oh, embrace yeah. it. And you look at someone like, you know, Clea Davis, who was a – I think it was a, he was a 3-4 outside linebacker, and now he's nah, a he was, tackle. Yeah, he was, a, he was inside backer. He inside was a, backer, a, a yeah. linebacker, yeah. And – uh you know, which just speaks to speaks to his talent level, but mm-hmm. you know, you're right. It, Frost took you know the players and played them to to their strengths and didn't try yep. and make them do uh, anything that that they couldn't. Um, exactly, and I mean, like even the you know with with Tristan, I was like, Tristan is a freaking. I remember when I was like, this kid is 330 pounds. He's a monster, and he's strong as an ox. I mean, he's benching 500 pounds, squatting a thousand pounds. I mean, let him be a disruptor, and you know, it's just. When we transitioned, it was like they didn't want it, and I I never understood that fully. Um, uh, still pisses me off, man. He didn't even start yeah. the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, I mean, and again, like I don't I don't know. I can't speak to what was going on in the locker room. I don't know, but the kid was <laughs> he was arguably the best player on that defense. I mean, let's just be honest about it, and it, it reflected where he was drafted. Um, yeah, but I mean, he single handedly. I tell people, I'm like, we don't win that Memphis game, that second conference championship. Um. After McKenzie got hurt, they don't win that game without Tristan. He was single-handedly wrecking because Norvell was not going to throw the ball. He was like, I'm going to run Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard in Wildcat the yeah. entire game. And we couldn't stop him and, in the first half either. Yeah. And, I mean, Tristan single-handedly was stopping him by himself because he was just creating so much havoc. And then, you know, the Fiesta Bowl, I think y'all should have won that one. But, you know, again. It's tough, man. And, you know, Mac. Yeah. It was a tough thing for Mac to, to step in. I mean, he he did a hell of a job in the Memphis game. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there was that penalty, that, that unsportsmanlike in the LSU game. It felt like we – you know, it felt like that was a huge momentum changer. But you go yeah. back and look at who we lost to. I mean, Joe Burrow might have been yeah. – the next season, he might have had the greatest season in, in college football history as a quarterback. Absolutely. He went absolutely. from – he had 12 touchdowns before the Fiesta Bowl, and he had 60 in the season yeah. after that, I mean, including the Fiesta Bowl. five times. I mean, it's absurd. That – that's absurd. Yeah. Like, and I joke, I joke with everybody. I'm like, Joey Connors literally got <laughs> Joe, Joe Burrow drafted number one. Like, he made him millions of dollars. He, because he, he knocked that him guy, in. He wasn't he, great. I know. He was, a, he was average. I mean, he was yeah. an average Joe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's crazy, man. Look, looking back on all this stuff, though, it's, you know, you, yeah. you mentioned it before. I think we got spoiled. I'll admit. I still expect us to go undefeated, but that's just but me that's, being me. Wrong. Yeah, but I think that's what you should expect. Like, I'm not saying it's wrong to expect it. I just think we have to understand where we're at in the program. You know, we're under a new coach. When's who's the on, what coach has gone undefeated the first year that you know they come somewhere? Well, I John- mean, Heupel did, <laughs> but again, but he came off an undefeated season. That's the thing. Exactly. That's different. Like, I don't think you know. I don't think the expectation right now. That's a great expectation. I yeah. Think, of course, I want to win every game. Of course. Yeah, but, me, me too. But I'm also not yeah. saying like the world's over because we lost to an 0 3 team, which, I yeah. mean, yeah, that looks bad. But like also, I mean, it, the reasons for it make sense. We've got our, you know, our quarterback's out, one of the best quarterbacks yeah. we've ever had. Our wide yeah. receiver one's out. Bowser's out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we got a true freshman in there. We're yeah. brand new. And, I mean, and think about it. We're, we have, we're replacing NFL guys. I mean, you're replacing Jacob Harris, you're replacing Richie Grant. You're replacing Aaron Robinson. You're replacing guys who played in the NFL are playing in the NFL, and we're drafted like too. Not, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not like that's an easy transition. And again, that's where I say it goes back to recruiting. I'm not saying that these guys are, aren't 
great players. They could be, but they weren't recruited by this staff right here. They were recruited to do what they were doing last staff. So I don't know if that transition, again, I don't know if that transition is going well. I don't know if it's going to, but it's going to take time regardless. It's going to take time for Gus to get his guys to run exactly what he wants. It's going to take time for uh, T. Will to get his guys to run exactly what he wants. I just think that those are little, and I think if you can fix the little things, everything else will play out because they're in every game. It's not like they're getting killed. I agree. You know, week by week, I think we're just going to have to get a little bit better. And, uh, yeah. and, and honestly, just growing you, pains. you guys, they, we could beat Cincy. Like, I, I think Cincy's look, I'm not going to lie. They, they're a great team, and again, they have a great quarterback. But he's all right. I wasn't overly impressed with them offensively against Notre Dame. That's just me. I, I I thought they would beat Notre Dame because I don't think Notre Dame's offense is any kind of good. Um, but I thought they would put up personally. I thought they'd put up like 35, 40 on Notre Dame's defense, even though their defense is good. I just thought the scheme that they run would be well because I saw a run against last year. But right. So I don't think they're they're world beaters by any means. It's a game you know? we should have won last year. We we're up ten. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And again, I, I think that's just you know when discipline slips and things like that, you lose those kind of games. That'll be a good one. You know, people keep – obviously, I've had, I was very negative last year. I was not happy with the coaches. Now yeah. I'm like, oh, like, guys, don't worry. Coaching change. Mm-hmm. I think we can beat Cincy, and everyone says I'm crazy. I'm like, I don't think it's that crazy. It's football. No, I, yeah, I, exactly. It's football. I mean, all it takes for them to beat it, – it's different playing down 14-0. to zero. It, I tell people it's a whole lot different playing as the one being hunted than hunting. That's why I think it was easy for them to go into Notre Dame and win that game. Because yeah. Notre Dame, people weren't expecting them, Cincy, to win. I mean, smart people thought they could, but, you know, everybody, the average person doesn't think they're going to be, you know, the prestigious Notre Dame. But, um, you know, I think they're it'd be different. They're yeah, they team. get up there. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, they come, we go up there and we get up 14-0, 17-0, which is possible because the offense is explosive enough. I mean, that's that's a different kind of feeling. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we can. You know, obviously I wish we had Dylan for that, but uh, yeah. we'll see what happens. I, I, w- I don't think yep. there's a result in that game that I wouldn't be surprised by, though. So yeah. that's what makes football fun. Uh, oh, yeah. So. And I think the quarterback, the freshman, Mikey, I think he played pretty well, you know, being his first start. He played pretty well. He didn't make any huge mistakes. The, the yeah. big thing I look for with young quarterbacks is throwing the ball away. and. Yep. He did that. He did not take yep. sacks, and he did not try and force balls. I mean, you take yep. sacks and throw interceptions, that will cost you. You can single-handedly Absolutely. lose the game with mistakes like that. And he didn't Absolutely. make any. I mean, he didn't yep. You know, he didn't necessarily make the, the greatest plays the whole time, but he had some really good plays, and I think you can't ask for much more out of a true freshman quarterback. So, exactly. I, And I mean, he's just going to keep getting better week to week. Yeah, and again, I, I think he played well enough to win that game last week. He did. But, you so, know, I mean, that's all you can ask for him, you know, as a being his first start ever. You can't ask him to go out there and be Dylan Gabriel. You know, that's that's not realistic. You no. have to expect him just to, you know, take care of the football and make the plays that you're able to make, that we see you make all the time in practice. Just make those exact plays. Exactly. And I think – I don't know if it was McKenzie's first game, but it, I think it, it was it was definitely the Maryland game. Maybe it was his first mm-hmm. start. He had three, yeah, three, first start. F- three fumbles, and we were still in the yeah. game. But yeah, exactly. it's to be expected. So, uh, yeah, exactly. you know, I, th- I think you did a really good job as well. All right, dude. This was awesome. I'm glad we did it. Uh, definitely got to get with you again. Thanks so much for Absolutely. joining us. Train no Neil, UCF legend. Uh, thanks so much, man, and uh, go Knights. Let's talk, talk ball again sometime. Absolutely. Go Knights. Charge on.
And we're back. Thanks again, Trey Neal, for joining us. That was definitely one of the best interviews we've had. Uh, great to catch up with him, former night. All right, let's make some money back this week. It's time for our favorite segment, Money Moves Picks of the Week. All right, first I want to talk about the UCF game this week. East Carolina at home. Current spread is UCF minus 10 against ECU, which I'm not going to give the money move blessing. That sounds free, dude. I, maybe I'm a sucker. I think we just wobble. Here's, here's why. Guests are coming off back-to-back losses. Last time we had back-to-back losses, we rattled off three in a row. Now, based on projections and home field advantage, I have this as only UCF minus five. So... One more point away from actually qualifying as being a Money Moose best bet with East Carolina. Not good. Wait, I would wait, never bet against- wait, opposite? Yeah, I would never, yeah, never would bet against UCF. I'm just giving you the facts. It should be UCF minus five. So we're still UCF minus 10. We're somehow overrated, is what you're saying? I could be off on the difference between Dylan and Mikey now. So remember when Dylan went out, I thought Dylan Gabriel was worth about seven points. Insert Mike Keen. We lost. So we were what? 16 and a half ish point favorites lost by four. We were pretty I'm much still, covering the whole game though. I'm still sticking to my minus seven. So with that, I have UCF as minus five. That's why I'm not going to go with ECU. I do have a small lean towards the over in this game. Total 68, pretty big. However, ECU the last three games has been rolling, putting up about 42 points a game. Our defense really hasn't been rolling. It's been rolling the other way. Um, Giving up a ton of points. Talk about an exciting game. I think this is going to be an absolute shootout. Something like 48-42, 48-42, something similar to the Memphis game of last year, although I do think we still squeak it out at the end. So I wouldn't put any money on UCF, but I would maybe look to the over or team to- either of the team total uh, over points. So enough of the UCF talk. We'll go on to our picks from last show. Uh, no show last week, also no picks. But just wanted to recap that I give you a winner with Arkansas plus five and a half over Texas A&M. Straight up winner. That was one of the most. Thank you. Probably move. most money pick of the year, right there. That was a five hundred, uh, dude. I bet the money line. Thank you for that. That was awesome. I did lose with Michigan State minus five over Nebraska. They ended up winning the game, uh, but only by three overtime, so, double overtime. Small loss there. That brings my total. I keep going with these one and ones. Yeah. Um. So three, three, and one on the season, dude. Nebraska, Nebraska, <laughs> close wins versus Michigan, or close losses versus Michigan State and uh, Oklahoma. Moral victories, those count. Seriously, no, they, they've say, actually been com- they've actually been competitive. All jokes aside. Yeah. Since you know, since they lost straight up to Illinois, who's terrible in the first week, they have been a lot better. Um, the first few so weeks don't count, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, they really same for don't. us. We're pretty much undefeated. <laughs> so anyway, I did a, I did a looked 
up the lines, up and down. Really, th- that's the other thing, too, of like getting later on in the season, the numbers get a lot sharper. Yeah. So it seems like all the numbers are like right about where they should be or where I think they should be. Less um, so we try you, just, to, you just got to scour. You got to dig deeper. We try to scour for their value, but I did come up with one. I got one this week, but I feel pretty confident. It's an underdog. I want you to go money line. Money line. Hey, it worked when, when you gave me Arkansas. <laughs> you did not recommend money line. I went off. Uh, I went rogue on the money line. So that was nice. All right. So this is, this is a small dog, but I think it's a slam dunk. We're going to go with Memphis plus three and a half against Tulsa. So Memphis is on the road. This this game is in Tulsa. Tulsa quarterback Davis Brin with a less than optimal six touchdown to eight interception ratio gets visited by freshman quarterback Seth Hennigan with a much better ratio of 12 touchdowns to one pick. Give me Memphis. That's lost two in a row, even by a field goal. This easily be a five and O team in SMU's current shoes. So they lost by a field goal to, to UTSA, that's to San Antonio, and lost by a field goal to Temple. Two pretty bad teams. Uh, I don't see them losing three in a row. Tulsa, however, one and four. Only win is against Arkansas State. This is a team who lost to Division Two UC Davis in the first week i feel like it's too good to be true but i don't know i I guess vegas sees memphis lost two uh in a row yeah in the edge to giant killer tulsa but i feel like i don't see it i feel no I, i get what you're saying here and like especially if you look at the big picture of the two programs minus ucf tulsa has not been good and memphis has been good and they just you know lost the last two i feel like they just don't really watch the games. They just look at the records and they're like, oh, Memphis kind of sucks. So they're going to be an underdog, even though we kind of know who's the better team here and the better program. I like that pick a lot. Quality, not quantity. Correct. Plus, um, hopefully this will get us back in the win streak. So we're going to take Memphis. Official pick plus three and a half versus Tulsa. Sprinkle some on the money line. Let's get, get that, that money. money. ching that seriously is a slam dunk right there. Dude, I like it. Also, uh, I'm just looking at the schedule. Houston Tulane should be a fun one Thursday night. Houston minus six. Temple Cincinnati on Friday night. Temple plus 29. Those are fun ones to bet. Like not like life-changing money, but like 25 bucks just because it needs something yeah. like dr- drastic either way to go. And you never really feel safe. Oh, so anyway, by the way, I was going to say the wrong team is favored. According to my power ranks, Memphis should be a three and a half point favorite, even though on the road. So it's a full touchdown worth of value. Money line. Boom. All right. Last up, we've got Moose Mailbag, where we answer all of your questions. Thank you, as always, for your submissions. First up, we've got. Jay Cox, 98-92. Out of the eight remaining teams in the Big 12, who do you expect to be our biggest rival? Not sure if you guys have talked about this yet. <laughs> I, I think we've talked about every other aspect of the eight remaining teams other than who would be our biggest rival. So thank no, I, you, JC, for the I, original question. I thought he you was, think we I, have talked about this? No, I thought he was being sarcastic. 
because we keep talking about all the other teams, but it's almost in the same scope. It hasn't been rivalry. It's been, oh, where do you want to visit? Which I'm sure will be another question later. Good question. What do you think, Moo? Uh, you know, it really could be anybody. I don't know. It depends on how engaged the fans are. That's big. when you talk about the when you talk about the Big Twelve. You know, I I could see like a West Virginia being super engaged only because they like don't have any other football in their state other than you know Marshall or like you know Redskins? Oklahoma State. Yeah, well, sort of. I mean, it's close, but. I don't know. It, it has to be a city that's not super close to another football team. Like Orlando, okay, yeah. Maybe it's a little closer to Tampa. Uh, Tampa's hometown team. Nebraska? Everyone, everyone in Oklahoma is a you know Cowboys fan. Kansas. I'm oh, sure. no, they have the Chiefs. Bah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Iowa State? That hey, just does not see... scream rivalry, though. I get what you're yeah, saying. Well, it's going to be different. We're going to have to make rivalries. Stuff's going to happen. There's going to be another, you know. Stuff is going to happen. There's Hold gonna, the presses. There's, <laughs> there's going to be another Desmond Ritter on one of these teams, you know, that, like, runs his mouth. Like, by the way, I don't know. Guy's Yo. growing on me. Did I just say that? Yeah, I don't know. I know where I know what you're going to say. I mean, he literally said on camera that our stadium was louder than Notre Dame's. I mean, it, it definitely was. He was just telling the truth. I'd be oh, mad if sure. I was a Cincinnati fan, but he's just telling the truth. Um, <laughs> no, but he knows. So here's the thing, though. This changing of the Big Twelve with Cincinnati just makes Cincinnati. It's starting to cement them as like our new rival. I mean, let's be real. Like we've had the College Game Day, and then the last two years were clearly the best two teams in the American. They're our biggest rival in the Big Twelve, and I know that's not what the question is. But besides that, I don't know. I mean, we're just different, you know? I think us, Cincy, Memphis have a lot in common. And that's why I kind of don't like Memphis being left out of this, but I get it. But I think they'll get invited soon. Like, it's kind of been us three running the show for a while. But you're right. You know, if someone else kind of steps up, it could be West Virginia. I feel like they have a good fan base. Uh, Match one of the cheerleaders on Bumble the other day. I haven't said this yet. But I really wish they wouldn't have brought Houston. They would have brought Memphis instead. Oh, me too. It, they did it just to have a presence in Texas. Still, I feel like that's. I think it's been like actually documented by, you know, Fel- Feldman Tech. or like the big. Oh, I don't know. Something to do with recruiting. Because yeah, it doesn't make. Maybe it's money. I don't know. It like didn't make sense why they picked them over Memphis. Dana Holgerson's cool though. I mean, the fans just aren't engaged. Memphis. You know, well, they, you know, they got power the powerhouse NFL team over there, Davis Mills. Well, it just seems like, too, you know, Memphis has been putting out some some NFL talent, a lot more NFL talent than Houston has in the last. Gainwell, man. I'm glad I drafted you know, him. In, uh, you got Gainwell, Daryl Henderson, Pollard. Dude, all three of them have been really good. Those are all Nor- Norvell recruits, though. So is it the coach or the system? No, the thing is, Memphis is like a small market. Antonio though. Gibson. How did I forget about Antonio Gibson? Gibson went there. Yeah, really. That's what I'm saying, dude. They're all in the NFL. All Damn. of them. They're almost nuts. almost as good with running backs as uh, UCF. All right, so when we play when we played Memphis in 2017, you know they had like the three headed monster. Who yeah. was the three? It Patrick, was Daryl Patrick Henderson. Taylor. Okay. Yeah. 
TP, Where's, PT. I guess I don't know if he's I don't know if he's in the NFL or not. But Taylor, Tony Pollard, and Henderson. Uh, Henderson. Jesus. I know. <laughs> How did we stop that? Well, I guess we did the first time. Heyo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right. Anyway, this next one's from Golden Knight Two. Has Gus underperformed with player development, or were our expectations too high this season? Will this team be bowl eligible? Oh, jeez, we're doing the bowl thing already. Um, I guess it's a fair question. Look, you can't develop players overnight. I mean, he was just hired in what, like April? I mean, I, I think he's done a good job. I I don't think it's on him. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things going on. Um, yeah, we're bowl eligible. Gasparilla Bowl versus FSU. What what was the prediction? Boca Bowl against Western Kentucky. Oof. Is the latest. I've seen the Fenway Bowl. Fenway Bowl would I've be sick. Curable. Fenway Bowl versus like what Army or something. There's a bunch of different predictions, but one of those that Florida and the Duke's mayonnaise bowl. Yo, <laughs> that'd be sick. Or the Cheese It Bowl. Give me a good food, because yeah. the um the bad boy mowers couldn't really like get into that sponsor. And then what was it like the cherry pop tart Boca Bowl or whatever? Cherubundi cherries. I don't even know what that is. Um, Boca Bowl. Yeah, it's a type of cherry. I don't know. Best bowl ever. I don't get Bitcoin that. So bowl. what? What did pe- yeah, Bitcoin bowl was awesome. Friendly reminder: if you put like a dollar into Bitcoin in the bit during or when we played in the Bitcoin bowl, you'd be like a millionaire right now. A little bit exaggerated, but I think you would. If you put like a thousand bucks in, I think you'd have like half million. Um. I don't understand the cherry sponsor. No one goes to the grocery store and they're like, oh, remember they sponsored that bowl game, so I'm buying this brand over this brand. I don't even think there's multiple cherry brands to pick from. I don't know. They probably just have a marketing budget and someone's lazy and like, ah, what's the easiest way to spend all this? Should we produce a bunch of commercials? Nah, we'll just slap it on a bowl game. Okay. All right, next question. Uh, that was talking cherries, by the way. Next question's from Dr. Colin. Am I saying this right? <laughs> it's probably Doctor Cologne. <laughs> but he might be Doctor Colon. Who knows? Remember in Seinfeld the episode with the ass man? The ass man, yeah. Um could maybe be. maybe he's just, you know, the Colon could be plug of the South. Uh I know his profile is in Spanish actually. All right. Next question's from Doctor Colon. What jumps off the page about Mikey Keene? For DJ is a true freshman, we all saw the arm strength. What is Mikey's best quarterback attribute? I'd have to say his vision. You know, I didn't really get a chance to see him, like, bomb a whole lot of throws, but I did see him, you know, going through the progressions, looking for opportunities. There was a couple plays where he kind of, you know, like, pointed the receiver, like, you know, keep going left or going right. Like, kind of how to ad-lib plays really made me feel a lot better about the QB situation. Yeah, it just seemed like, I don't know. Like, like I, I would have to say it was his decision-making. Like I said earlier, didn't hold the ball and take sacks and didn't make dumb throws, which when I see a young quarterback out there, it's like when I play like Madden, I'm about to get sacked, and I just like press all the buttons. And he like never did that, which I feel like is an easy thing to do and most young, inexperienced quarterbacks do. Mikey Keene, not a button smasher. Not a button smasher. And, uh, yeah, kids got swag. I like it. 
Uh, he reminds me a little bit of KZ. All right, next question is from All Night. Neither UCF or Money Moo's picks have been dominant this year. Can they both turn it around? Well, sir, you might have to take that with a grain of salt. Um, <laughs> Is that the house on yes, Memphis? My picks have not been dominant this year, but you don't have to be dominant over the long term to make money in this game of sports betting. You only have to be like 55 point whatever percent. I'm one more percent better. Move. One mo better. Moves in the 1%. <laughs> Remember that was a thing, the the one percent rich people thing. You're yeah. the one percent of sports betters. But actually, I think that's probably true. I mean, I try. Most people lose money. Um, what it's it, up down all around. What Can is UCF be dominant more dominant for the rest of the year? I think so. <laughs> you work out some of the kinks. Yeah, we're gonna lose this whole like thirteen and zero thing. And I know we joke about every year the season prediction of 13 and 0 it's kind of just a tradition now and everything looks so good on paper until you hike the ball so we talked about it with trey neal i mean it's not unreasonable to want us to do that and to think it's possible but it's also silly to be upset when we have letdowns because look at the history of our program I mean, that's usually we have a really good year and a really bad year. So the fact we had like three or four, you know, really good years in a row was awesome and speaks volumes about how much progress we've made as a program. But, you know, there's reality checks. And again, we're not even out of the conference championship race. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. All right. Next question from UCF underscore fan zone. Do you think fans are overreacting? I mean, some are, some aren't. Look, there's going to be fair weather fans. There's probably going to be people. I did see a bunch of people that said that they were done with UCF football. Good. You know, I'm kind of glad that. Get them out. Weed them out. Well, you know, it's like right after the game, Twitter blows up with everyone's first reaction. And I try to let it sink in, you know, for a little bit. I did have a, a small couple of jabs in there which i usually don't you had yeah you, um, i remember you were you were a little frisky i remember <laughs> <laughs> i was hot i was heated man i, I was very heated but let's in I'm the gonna, end I'm gonna pull it, up your tweets keep going in the end you know it's a football game it, it, it's another season there will be many more in, in our lifetimes uh have we figured it all out with a new coaching staff and our top three playmakers on offense gone? No, we haven't figured it out. We figured it out this week against ECU. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a dogfight. That's know, my bro. prediction. Holt Naylor's was uh, he was squatting cinder blocks during COVID. So watch out. No, I actually like him. He's 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 kind of a cool player. Like he's fun to watch. He's an, exper- he's an experienced quarterback. He's got a lot of playing time under his belt. He's always, it is an away game. He's always scored a lot of touchdowns against us, even though the games haven't been that close. Um, We've owned ECU for the last few years. Haven't lost them since 2015. That was a year filled with losses. Um, all right, so I'm, I'm pulling up your tweets. Your, you, So I, I tweeted the video of the black punt and said, what the hell happened here to Mac Loudermilk? And you said... Nobody blocked the guy on the left. No shit, Sherlock. Um, well, you asked for a no, breakdown of the play, and that's a, I, I call it like it is. No, what, I always do. The actual breakdown, left side too tight. Thought process, he's too far removed from the quarter to get to the block point before the punter boots it. 
Left side tight, quicker line to block point. I don't know what that means, but that's actually the answer I was looking for. And then your other doesn't matter. Your other Here's sweep, the easy part. There was a guy on the left. If you block him, we wouldn't have got a blocked punt. They yes. didn't block the guy on the left. You saw him coming. Well, <laughs> Why didn't they block him? I don't know. He also almost like overran the uh, the punter because he was so unblocked. Um. Oh, big play in the Red Sox game. Oh, Judge, out at the plate. What was he doing? Nice. Not even close. What? He's out by a mile. I think he was trying to he was trying to score from second on a uh, – they hit the ball off the monster, but it, like, went right to the guy. Anyway, uh, your other tweet was you quoting yourself saying, over oh, three, <laughs> stay tuned, lads, busting out the clown outfit for Halloween. Boca ball, here we come, hopefully. That's the tweet that I remembered when you said that you got a little uh, – uh, whatever you said, oh, you for did. My, I was three, like three prediction, my three predictions for yeah. the game. Turnover free. And, uh, 250 holding rushing Navy yards. To, and, and holding Navy to under 20. Um, I'm wrong a lot. Yo, so one prediction, though, from my preseason predictions that is coming true is I said Obarski would be at least 90% from field goals, and he's 100, so... Not going to take credit for Obarski, but, I mean, kid's a stud. Sleeper prediction of the year, too. Um, clearly panning out. And the extra point miss was not his fault. That was a breakdown in blocking. So, FYI. Next one is from Mom's Drink Free. What is the best spot to tailgate, and why is it the Mom's Drink Free tent? All right. You got this? You got their account up? Let's dive into I this. did. I looked at it a few minutes ago. I had they not got a website. This. I had not heard of this before. They have a website. They have a flag. Pretty cool custom flag. I'll give them that. Uh, I don't know how much free plugs we should give them here. I but mean, anyway, so why not? not? It's not kind making, of a cool idea. They're not making money. <laughs> All right, so here's what their website says. A grassroots movement toward the most important people in our lives. UCF Family Weekend is the perfect time to show our appreciation appreciation join us october 3rd 2020 at the ucf family weekend tailgate all right so this is the old website uh yeah because the countdown says zero they've got some merch though oh so i thought okay this is a one this is only a once a year thing so this is huge yeah so apparently it's coming been up go- saturday according to, according to the logo it says it's been going on since 2015 hmm. so every Every family weekend, they give free drinks to moms, which, I mean, I've never been at a tailgate that wouldn't give a woman a free drink, but good for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Nice tradition. Yeah. So yeah, I guess there. go follow them on Twitter. They got a picture of the spot where they're at. Next question is from Chris Tommaso. How do you like your eggs? Scrambled, poached, basted, or over easy? So, what is basted? I, the answer is over yeah, easy. I, dude, I, I felt so dumb not knowing like what a basted egg basted. was. <laughs> so I looked it up. I guess it's kind of it's like, like a over. Fried it looks egg. like over easy to me. Maybe they just cook it longer. I would. I would order this as a fried egg. Traditionally, basted eggs are made of cooking eggs and fat, usually butter. And spooning that oh. butter over the egg as it cooks. To me, that's a fried egg. 
but it could also be ba- I guess the art of basting it is like continuously like pouring the butter on top of the egg. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Seems like a lot of work. I don't know. I feel like this is uh I don't know, I feel like this is something George O'Leary would like. I feel like he was a big uh big butter guy. A basted egg. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a stick of butter. <laughs> the white horse, the white knight or whatever. Um I am an over easy guy, so here Normally, I hop around from the first watch menu, but I've been really on the avocado toast, add turkey and tomato. I don't know if it's like a secret menu thing, but, and you get two eggs with it, so I've been getting them over easy. Tweet a picture. Um, shout out to Chris Tomaso, though, CEO of First Watch. He's the one that sent in the question, obviously, and they just had their public, uh, or their IPO, initial public offering. So they the company went public on Friday. That is huge. He rang the um the ticker bell or whatever thing at the Nasdaq on Friday to like open the stock exchange. The ticker bell. <laughs> What's it called? Stock ticker. It's just the bell. He rang the bell. Tinker the bell. The ticker is the thing that like yeah. goes across and tells you what price that you that isn't unable to be wrong. <laughs> but yeah, so I bought fifty shares, just saying. And then if you go to First Watch, it's like you're kind of, you know, investing in yourself or something like that. I think now that you're a shareholder, we have to say, like, full disclosure, you are a, share- you are a shareholder. I'm a First Watch shareholder or yeah, a UCF shareholder? Mm. <laughs> no, but- share- just shareholder Sean. You hold all the shares. Not official financial advice, but... Congrats to them. That's awesome. And uh, shout out to First Watch, our title sponsor. Last up, MD Night 2016. Talk me off the 6-6 six and six ledge. Who does UCF beat? UConn? USF? Temple? ECU? Question mark. Maybe Memphis we get to 7? Possibly Tulane to 8. I said this right after the game, maybe like an hour after it finally cooled off. I was like going through the schedule. I'm in the 7-5 and five camp. And I don't think it's that bad of a thing. It depends on who the five People are, have de- or who the next three, or the next. Yeah, well, the we next already three. know who two of them are. One of them is okay, I guess. It's never okay to to lose. But this whole like, oh, we have to go thirteen zero, twelve and one, whatever. I mean, the nineteen season, honestly, looking back at it now, wasn't that bad. Ten and three had a easy win in the Gasparilla Bowl. Also, though, lost a very winnable game to a not-good Cincy team. Lost a game to Tulsa. Too many men on the field. A Tulsa team that ended up like 3-7 and seven, or whatever that adds up to. They yeah. were 3-7 and seven at the and time. And lost to Pitt. So at the time, it seemed like... Oh, the Pitt like, game. I forgot about that. Jeez. At the time, it seemed like it was a lost season, and we just screwed everything up. But when you really look back at it, like 10-3 is good. But I know, I know we just we're we're we need perfection, and, and I get that. Eh, I wouldn't. Quite but if we're s- building, we're building for the long term. This is not like I I feel like everyone's like, oh, you know, we got to, you know, we won a national championship. That we did thirteen and zero. We did twenty five and zero. This isn't like a flash in the pan. This is a large scale, long term, you know, program building. You you look at these bigger pro like okay, Florida's a bad example. Yeah, oh, look um, at Florida, yeah, just crushed Kentucky. 
Look at a team like Oklahoma. Like, when was the last time Oklahoma won a national title? <laughs> you did that on purpose, right? <laughs> I like. I think it was Josh Heupel, two thousand. Yeah, is Oklahoma a bad program? No, no. So like, but they've had a few years where they've been bad too. Here's my thing: is I the thing that sucked about the last two seasons, right? And 2018 was because with the divisions, if you lose in your division, you have to not only win out, but hope the team you lost to loses two games, which when you only have like five division games is impossible. We couldn't compete for the conference title. That's all I want. That's my expectation every season. I know I say undefeated, blah, blah, blah. I just want to be in the conference championship or at least end up in a position to, like we said earlier, control our own destiny. When we lose control is when I absolutely start to lose my mind. Because then I, I, I have no hope. And without hope, there's really nothing to look forward to. Then I start looking forward to the next season, and that's usually a long way away. And Here's another example, Iowa State. Would you say Iowa State's a good football program? Yeah, they've been awesome under uh, Matt Campbell the last couple years. Okay, here's your definition of awesome. Last five years, 3-9, and 8-5, and 8-5, and 7-6, and 9-3. Okay, but look at the teams they've beaten, though. Dude, they're not in the American, bro. They're not losing to Tulsa. Yeah, they've lost to some bad teams before. They lost to Louisiana as an eleven point as an eleven point favorite last year by seventeen. That was COVID with Matt though. Campbell. COVID. Oh no, COVID doesn't count. Okay. Yeah, no, I did. I get what you're saying, man. Now it it has a lot to do with the injuries too. Now if we are fully healthy. And we were seven and five. There'd be a reason to be pissed off. Okay, we didn't even even talked about the defensive injuries either. No Ricky Barber, who's playing out of his mind. First couple games. Tatum Bethune, another great uh, linebacker, who's who was one of my picks two years ago. I was two years early on him. A two as top defensive player. Uh, or what did I have him as? I think I had him as like newcomer or defensive sleeper. What I do think. we do? Defensive sleeper like two years ago, him and Jeremiah Gene. Nah, you're right, dude. Look, I'm just – I don't think I've fully accepted what's happened. I mean, you're right. We're a banged-up team. So if we get to 7-5, and five, I mean, won't be thrilled, but could be a lot worse. At the same time, I still think we, we can beat Cincinnati. I really think we can. I know we have the talent. How about there's this? a shot. We have, we have the talent, too. I wouldn't be surprised if we get blown out, but I wouldn't be surprised if we were competitive, and I would, definitely wouldn't be surprised if we beat them. Really, yeah. anything's on the table. Great blanket statement to never or- be wrong. We just saw, we just saw <laughs> Oregon lose to an unranked Stanford. After they beat uh, Ohio State. Ohio State, yeah. So it's almost like football can be unpredictable and you should settle stuff on the field rather than rankings. Facts. <laughs> All right. Great show. Let's wrap this up. Um, haven't seen you in a while. What's, uh, what's new? How's the due uh, date looking? Are you going in the game? No, the due date's good. Still November 18th. You know, it's kind of weird that, like, two of the biggest things in my life have happened during down years of football. Obviously, getting married was one of them during the 0-15, homecoming. the 0-12 season. Who gets married on homecoming? Not a real fan. I'm just kidding. 0-12. It worked and, out good. Uh, did, it, people are, did we go 0-12 because you planned a homecoming wedding? I don't know. Is it my fault? Yo, your wedding was Possibly. awesome, though. So anyway, and then now the birth of my daughter is happening. We lost two games in a row. All these injuries. I, I don't know. 
just mad coincidence or what? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it's good, I guess, in a weird way. Not weird. But anyway, are you going to the game? Unfortunately, I cannot. I don't know yet. I, uh, Dude, I'm so exhausted from Italy, and I'm going to the Bucks game Sunday with my mom, so I don't know if I drive up and like meet her there. Like I find someone to watch my dogs and the girl who normally watches them. That's not my mom is not in town, so I want to, but it, it I don't know. I would say if I was like a injury right now and I had to make a fantasy football decision, I'd be doubtful. I am doubt no. What's the one between doubtful and what's it skeptical? No. Uh What's the questionable. Ma- questionable. I'm questionable. <laughs> Doubtful, 25%. Questionable, 50%. Yeah. Probable, Probable, 75%. Yeah. Sky like skeptic- so, yeah. skeptical is a good one. They should add that into the lingo. <laughs> yeah, no, we haven't seen each other in a while. I was actually going to drive down to uh, your place the other day just to like use the free driving range. <laughs> Go for it, man. Anytime. <laughs> I don't know. I got to wait till it cools off. I know like the last two... No, the last three times I played golf, you, I didn't have my partner. So it's football season, bro. So I mean, we got a busy next couple of weeks. I'm looking play at Sunday morning. I'm done by noon. I mean, here's the, I'm going to Tampa though. Like it, that's a lot, dude. I've yeah. got like one large event in me per weekend. Uh, all right, so pulling up the calendar, we've got Cincinnati. Cincinnati announced as a noon game. It is on ABC though. Pretty cool. Apparently, there's an Orlando City versus Cincinnati, like, FC game that night. I think in Cincinnati. People, oh, that's cool. People are saying they want to go to both. I feel like that could be fun. Um, Very possible. So, we've got – so, we're at Cincy next weekend. Then we've got the Memphis Friday game. I've got that one circled. And then at Temple – dang, it's Halloween. That's Dude, next thing we know, man, we're – you're me having a kid. That's this is nuts. Yeah. Well, the temple games on ten thirty. Halloween actually on the thirty first. Ooh. Every year. That'd be a fun one to go to dressed up. I actually I bought a I have a Scott Frost costume, which is a Nebraska polo and a hat that I bought one year. And I was gonna like I don't know do something funny, hold up a sign at the Halloween game, but I didn't make it. Uh. Yeah, year is flying by though, and uh. Yo, what's gonna happen when you have a kid? Are we gonna pod? I mean, you're, you're gonna be up anyway, so yeah, any time of the day. How much uh, paternity leave are you taking? I'm gonna try and take six weeks. Yo, dude, let's just golf so, the whole time. That's what I'm saying. If if she's born on the due date, I'll have all the way through Christmas, New Year's. Yeah, I haven't had a Christmas, you know, because do you always work the holidays? It sucks. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Nine years in a row. So this is like the time to have fun and, you know, just be with my family and I'm excited. Yeah, no, it's awesome. All right. Uh, see you guys maybe this weekend. Oh, Hall of Fame ceremony Friday night at some hotel in Orlando. You can actually get tickets through UCF. Blake Bortles, Josh Sitton, um, Jermaine Taylor, someone else. Sorry that I forgot. Uh, that could be cool. I might be there. Might not. But anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Oh, by the way, everyone who sent us a screenshot of your review from last episode will get a first watch gift card. 
So we will uh, DM Wait, you for what? It. Yeah. Hold up. Hold Everyone. up. Hold up. Everyone. Every single person. All right. I got to check and see if I have, we, we if do. I have enough we cards. Do. It's, not, it's, not, it's a good amount. It's not a ton. But thank you guys. Seriously, we appreciate it. Go Knights. Charge on. Nation. Nation. Nation.